You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast hosted by me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm really excited about our conversation. We have a great guest with us. We have Nithin Mankani, CEO and founder of Predict Spring, and we're going to dive into an exciting conversation around the possibilities of client telling. Nithin is a visionary and pioneer in the mobile commerce sector, as well as being the founder and CEO of Predict Spring an innovation mobile commerce platform. Prior to founding the company, he led the Google Shopping Merchant and Search Infrastructure team, scaling Google Shopping product to hundreds of thousands of retailers. Most recently, he founded the Google Retail Promotions to optimize mobile conversions. Prior to joining Google, Nathan was a founding member of Data Infrastructure at BEA from 2001 to 2006. BEA was leader in application platform market and was acquired by Oracle for $8.5 billion, a pretty significant success. Nathan, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah, it's great, great talking to you. And, um, you know, we are, we are on the two, two sides of the coast here in the country. And uh, hopefully in uh, some near time, we can uh, do this, this podcast again, but uh, being, being in the same conference room, I guess. Absolutely. That's exactly what I would love to be doing. Um, we, we kind of rigged out one of our conference rooms for podcasts. So it's all ready to go when the time is right. As we dive into this podcast, I gave a very high level one liner about Predict Spring. Before we dive deeper into conversation, I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about what your company does. Yeah. Thank you, Melissa, again, for having me on your podcast. So the Predict Spring, um, we, I started the company seven years ago. I was at Google before that, as Melissa said, so I ran the Google Shopping team from early 2006 till 2013. And then I left Google to start Predict Spring. And the main kind of mission of the company, I wanted to rethink direct to consumer. I saw a huge kind of you know shift in how brands were thinking from wholesale to direct to consumer. And fast forward today, it seems very obvious. It wasn't as obvious back in 2013. And so that's the platform we built. We built a modern digital platform for brands to go direct to consumer, whether they are selling in stores, a lot of brands are opening stores, whether you look at Allbirds or you look at Casper, uh, they all have stores. So we wanted to build a modern POS and a clienteling platform for them. Or, you know, with COVID, we saw a spike in digital revenues. So we also wanted to build a modern mobile commerce platform. So we power mobile apps for some of the leading brands. Uh, so those are kind of really the end-to-end platform that we provide to brands worldwide. Great. Thank you for that. So let me start, I guess, more of a basic question, I think, is there's a continuous question around how companies go about addressing the POS as a whole. And I think there's going to be a lot of evolution around POS and, and the purpose it plays in stores and how it functions, given that we're moving into such contactless payment world. Why, why do stores need to invest their technology in replacing legacy POS as a priority? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, like if you look at the POS industry, obviously it's a multi, multi-decade old industry. But the innovation, there hasn't been any fundamental innovation in that industry. You still see those fixed big terminals on a countertop, which are, you know, as we, we call it, you know, legacy point of sale systems. 
And, you know, I think there are a couple things going on. One is most of these POS systems are coming at end of life. So brands were already thinking about moving towards a modern POS. But now with COVID, uh, there are three things which have accelerated that decision-making. One is contactless payments, right? So if you're using a legacy POS, they don't even support contactless payments. Uh, second is omnichannel has become much more important, especially curbside pickup. Here in California, our initial reopening was uh, only tied to curbside pickup. And even though now most uh, have opened up and you can walk into a store, I think curbside pickup will continue to be a very important part of customer experience. And the third thing uh, is clienteling. You know, it's no longer just a transaction. It's about customer experience is how do you can give that extra experience to the customer. And that's only possible when you have a modern POS. And we think about, you know, if you think about what a modern POS looks like, uh, there is a phrase we use here at PredictSpring, which is Nordstrom meets Apple Store. Mm -hmm. Nordstrom is all about clienteling and they're well known for their customer experience. And Apple is all about efficient commerce. Every associate has an iPhone or an iPad and you don't need to stand in a line. You can check out literally at the point of purchase, or you can even do a self-checkout. And I think those are the reasons why we are seeing a major shift. In fact, as we went into COVID three months ago, uh, we were not sure what will happen to the buying process on POS. But three months later, we have seen the most demand right now for stores coming to us because they want to modernize and they want this mobile POS with contactless payment, clienteling, and curbside pickup. And we're going to continue to see this trend because as we come you know, closer to the shopping season, people won't prefer to stand in those long lines. And, and the brands who will succeed are the ones who will have the modern POS. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's amazing how many conversations have been had over the past couple of years of advancing technology in the in-store environment. And we're seeing some of those plans now being brought to the forefront and accelerated into, into being put into fruition. The main value of the sales associate and the new normal whatever that new normal is going really going to mean. Um, the role of the sales associate is also a, another ever-changing piece. And you brought up clienteling as a motivating factor for needing to upgrade the, the, the POS system in store. Um, but let's talk a little bit too about that value of the sales associate, how you see that changing and how you know this access to information through a platform like Predict Spring is really going to help empower that. Yeah. And you know, this is kind of an area where Digital tools were already kind of, you know, uh, being used by associates, right? So traditionally, you would think the role of store associate uh, is only when you walk into a, a store physically, right? The reality is, even before COVID, um, with our clienteling tools, associates were communicating with customers even when they were at their home. Uh, they were sending them a message. They were sending them recommendations on products. Uh, so that engagement, you know, that the role had already evolved a little bit more than kind of what a traditional role was. And I think with COVID, the role evolves further, which is, you know, all of us, right? Like we were used to interacting with people only in real world, only in IRL, right? And we all have learned that, well, you could have still those meaningful interactions in a in a digital format. And and the value of the associate doesn't change, right? The the reason you you speak with an associate because they have that knowledge, they understand you as a customer, right? If you are a repeat customer in certain store, they can give you that personalized suggestions based on the style and the taste you have. 
And so those key things still remain. And now the only question is, well, some of these interactions will happen in still in physical world. I, I You know, one of the phrases that I've been using is that for the short period, call it next 30 to 90 days, we're going to live not even in new normal. This is going to be new, new normal, right? So I think people are going to be highly conservative, rightly so. Uh, but I think eventually we will go to new normal, which won't be as drastic as it's today because, you know, we'll have vaccinations and we'll have some combination of, you know, best practices that the society will establish. And I think so customers are going to go start going back to stores, but it's going to be in that phases. And I think associates will it kind of, you know, that they'll be like amphibians, you know, they'll interact both in real world as well as through digitally and clienteling tools. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. We are seeing evidence people are going back and they're going back with intention, right? And the conversion rates of people shopping are actually higher than they've been in the past because it's purposeful visits. So to me, in that sense, it's even more important that a sales associate is prepared and armed with that information so that they could be best positioned to be in service uh, of the customer that's coming in that door. Yeah, totally. You, you made a very interesting comment there on conversion rates. You're absolutely right. You know, like I think we're going to see maybe less window shopping, right? The window shopping is going to move to digital, right? People are going to do a lot of discovery on their phones to kind of first decide what they want. And then when they go to the store, like the efficiency of the sales cycle is going to be a pretty high because you have a clear intent and you're going to just go there and like, yep, I'm ready to buy. Let me pay through the contactless payment. Exactly. Exactly. So none of us have a crystal ball, <laughs> but what do you think the retail experience is going to look like in a post COVID world? Yeah. And I think it will, it'll kind of, you know, vary between what you see in Q3 versus Q1, right? So like even every, not even 90 days, I think every 30 to 60 days, things will change. Now, you know, I'm an eternal optimist, but I'm also a very pragmatic person, right, where I like to balance between, you know, what the best practices are. Like, I always wear a mask when I go to a store, right? It's required in many places. So I think that seems like a no-brainer to me, right? I mean, you know, you're in a store, you are in an environment where you are surrounded by uh, several people, and having that basic precaution helps us. The other things, you know, we already talked about contactless payments. I don't think people will prefer to stand in long lines, right? So I think how efficiently you can allow a customer to complete a transaction, right? Whether through their own phone self-checkout or through a mobile POS is going to be fundamental. I don't think we're going to, in the shopping season, see like those pictures that we see on Black Friday, right? Where you see those hundreds of people trying to you know, get through that small door, right? That's not going to happen, right? People will be much more cautious. So I think retailers will have to create those best practices as well as, you know, provide that seamless transactionality, right? I mean, QR code-based payments have been very popular in Asia, right? With WeChat and Alipay. I think we're going to see similar kind of modes here in US as well, where you can just scan a QR code and pay through your phone. So you don't even need to swipe your credit card or give your credit card or touch that credit card machine to complete the transaction. So I think those are the kind of things we would see. But I do think that, you know, the stores will play a very important role. Also, they will play an important role from a distribution perspective. They will be like these mini distribution centers where you can fulfill, you know, if I am 10 minutes away from the store here, well, it's easier to fulfill it, you know, the item if I placed an order from the store, which is 10 minutes away from me, then sending it across 1,500 miles from my home. A, it's cheaper. B, it's going to be faster. So I think those are the kind of things that will be different. And honestly, a lot of these things, we had talked about it. Uh, the big difference is 
you know, those things would have taken five years for retailers to adopt and change their technology. And now it's happening in like six months. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, it's interesting as you talk about the evolution of things, we're talking a lot about the consumer and we're talking a lot about the role of the sales associate and those both evolving. But if we also look at further offerings that Predict Spring has, and another important aspect of this that is really important for a good experience going forward is the efficiency around store fulfillment and visibility around inventory and the management of that. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that's becoming more and more of an important topic in the forefront, especially as you're seeing this adoption of curbside and BOPIS and the the store environment itself, dual purposing as a place of discovery and also a point of fulfillment? It's a great perspective, right? Like, I mean, you know, like, you know, there's a term we use called cloud computing, right? Like everybody talks about cloud computing, right? Everything moves to cloud, right? Like Netflix used to mail CDs and now everything is streaming, right? So if you think about inventory, even though the inventory is physical, right? Like if you have 100 stores, each store is carrying an inventory and let's say you have three warehouses in North America, right? Let's take a, a brand which is kind of fits that profile, right? Historically, they treated the warehouse inventory to be dramatically different than store inventory. Not only that, within the stores, the inventory visibility didn't exist. But now if you think about it uh, with, the, with the lens of cloud inventory, right? Think if uh, the entire inventory was virtual, right? Even though it's physical, right? It's kind of an interesting plan where the inventory is physical, but your visibility is virtual, right? So you might be here in the Stanford shopping mall in Bay Area, right? In a store, and I'm trying to buy a pair of shoes, but they don't have it my size. Well, they associate with the tools that we provide from a Predict Spring perspective. They have a phone. They can quickly look up the inventory and say, well, actually, the store in San Gennaro, in San Jose, which is only 20 minutes away, has the pair of shoes in your size. And you can give a choice to the customer saying, well, either we can bring that shoe here back in the Stanford shopping mall and you can come in the evening or next day, pick it up. Or if you want to drive there, we will just place a hold right now. In next 20 minutes, you can go and pick it up from the San Jose store. And I think those kind of use cases are what are going to delight the customer. And this is one of the key differentiators compared to Amazon, right? Like brands have these amazing assets today, which are their stores. And now they are able to use them, not just kind of, you know, from a selling perspective, but also as a fulfillment center. So all of a sudden, you as a brand shouldn't think you have three fulfillment centers. You should think you have 103 fulfillment centers because your 100 stores are your fulfillment centers as well. Same thing applies if I placed an order at home, you know, I don't care where the that pair of shoes is going to come, right? Like we have these smart order routing rules in the order management system that PredictSpring has built where we will similarly realize that, well, it's easier to fulfill that order from a store nearby than from a warehouse, which is, you know, several hundred, if not a thousand miles away. And by the way, we can get you that shoe literally next day and it's going to be cheaper, right? So those are the kind of routing rules and visibility and also associate productivity tools need to be there. I was talking to one of the brands and they were literally still using fax machines to fulfill these store orders. Mm. Well, that's not going to work. You know, in the old days when you had only one order which came in for the store fulfillment, you can use some rudimentary tools. People even used phone calls. But now if that's going to be the mainstream behavior change and optimization, then you need an iPad, you need a sophisticated tool to see all your store fulfillment orders and kind of, you know, be able to manage that workflow using literally an, a phone, iPhone or an iPad in your hands. So I don't know what you're able to share, but 
on the backs of these use cases that we just spoke of. Um, one, uh, what is a typical onboarding? Like how, how, how long does it take to get a brand up and running and what's needed for that? And is it possible for you to share maybe one of your best in class examples of brands who have put forward this strategy and are some, seeing some concrete results? Yeah, our typical implementation is somewhere between four to six weeks. In some cases, it could be a little bit longer, depending on most of the time, you know, the brands may not have all the systems or the APIs in place. And we also have built now enough infrastructure to work around that, right? So we are very modular. We don't believe in kind of, you know, forcing brands to rip and replace. We coexist with the technology they own. And we have done several partnerships from companies like Salesforce to companies like NetSuite to companies like Ardian, right? So we also kind of make it easy if you're using one of those systems. Well, we already have a pre-built adapter, right, to those systems. So you don't need to spend 18 months doing this complex integration and spending insane amount of money. Um, so that's a key part of our kind of, you know, offering. You know, one of the brands I'm a big fan of our pretty customer is this is the French fashion group SMCP. Uh, they own three kind of luxury fashion brands, Sandro, Moj, and Claudie. Really forward-looking brand. Uh, they have done omni-channel, right? Mm -hmm. uh, They've implemented, you know, visibility across uh, different channels. They also have given their associates an iPad where they can digitally browse the catalog. If you are in a store and they don't have an item, they can use the Predict Spring powered iPad to quickly place an order and do an endless aisle order, right? The aisle never ends, right? It's, it's again talking about digital. You're not limited to the inventory you have in store you basically have an endless aisle and your inventory is across all the stores. So that's an experience where I think it's really thoughtfully done. It's well implemented. They are live in US, uh, UK, and France. So it also shows that these ideas are not limited to a region or, or even a continent, right? They, they apply uh, in Europe, they apply in North America, they apply in Asia. We also have customers in uh, South America and Australia, which are using similar techno technology stack. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is the right time, actually. If, if I was a brand, uh, we are in June right now, mid-June. Now is the time to invest in it. So before October, right, which is when the shopping season kind of starts the Q4, they will have a full new POS, a modern POS with clienteling, curbside pickup, contactless payment, mobile POS, all implemented and successfully deployed. Absolutely. And that's pretty impressive to be able to be up and running in four to six weeks. I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of variables around that. And depending on how, if you're ripping out a legacy system and how many locations and so many factors, but that's impressive that you could get something up and running that quickly. And I do love uh, what Maj is doing. So that's a great proof case right there. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we think one step further to right of how retailers can, can really add the, that level of personalization regardless of what channel their customers interacting. We talked a lot about, about the evolution of POS and, and in-store and clienteling in that aspect, but it's really customers don't care about the channel. They, they care about interacting with the brand. So how do we, how do we really add in that layer of personalization and how do you, how do you see that, that being accelerated in these next months to come? It's a great question. But before I answer that question, you know, obviously COVID, COVID is hard on everybody. You know, it's 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 sad we have lost so many lives. Uh, it's also sad we have lost so many jobs. As I said, I'm an eternal optimist, and both as a country, you know, we have come across many 
many iterations of you know challenges and we have come, come always come strong and not just as a country but global civilization but one of the things that covid has brought together i think it has gotten e- even more that human element uh, for all of us uh, even sitting here in the podcast place if i heard it, I, I believe that was your dog uh, trying to uh, trying to participate and that's so cute right every call every google hangout every you know meeting i have been on zoom you always see that the, the human side of it, which is you're able to see uh, a little bit about their, you know, their home, their setup, and you know, you know, you always get to see hi to their kids and their pets. So in my case, you know, I have two kids, and uh, my wife and I are on calls and meetings, and once in a while you'll see them, and then we have a cat Hobbs, and he will once in a while come and say hi. So you know, I think uh, that's just one that has brought this whole community and all of us together and i am hoping you know things things progress from here so kind of you know coming back to your answer on personalization there's this term which the industry has used a lot which is omnichannel it's been used so many times that there's almost now like there's people are a little jaded even using the word right but but the concept of omnichannel is actually pretty pretty good which all it means is that no matter what channel your customer is engaging with you whether they are on your mobile app whether they are on their website, whether they are in their store, or even when they are engaging with your brand in a wholesale context, right? Like you might be selling through a wholesale retailer like Nordstrom, right? But if I'm in the Nordstrom store and I'm engaging with your brand, I should still be able to pull up my phone and find the product information or engage with 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 your brand because it doesn't matter how you're selling, it's still your brand, right? Like just because I went to Nordstrom doesn't mean that customer became Nordstrom customer. It's actually your customer. And so you should be able to provide that same level of personalization and touch to the customer. And this is where direct-to-consumer is so important, right? Like Because historically, brands only sold through wholesale, right? And so they had, no, they had no touch with customer and they could not provide personalization. And personalization is a two-way street. It's not just recommending products to the customer. It's also getting input from a customer, uh, not just to improve your digital experience, but to actually improve the product. Like if I can give the feedback to a brand and saying, well, I like your shoes, but I don't like the material, or I, I wish you were using more sustainable material. And so I think that's what to me, personalized, true personalization is. It's it's omni-channel and it's two-way speed. And with everybody having a phone, giving feedback has become easier. You know, you can just take a picture of the product that you have and you can give feedback. Uh, similarly, you can get recommendations which are contextual to you. You can get a push notification. Or like one of the things we did in our store associate platform is creating a personalization quiz, right? Where you can answer a few questions about yourself, about your taste, about your likes. And then we can kind of send you personalized recommendations. But the associate having access to this 360 degree view of customer can also be more effective and can give recommendations those recommendations, again, can be in real life, like when you are in the store. Or the associate has a channel now to talk to the customer either through email or SMS or through push notification through a chat interface uh, where they can give these similar recommendations. So that's kind of really the, the gist of thinking about personalization in terms of omni-channel and then in terms of direct-to-consumer. I love the possibilities of it. You know, I think that there's that careful balance of privacy, but if, if, if brands are doing it in the service of me and I'm getting, you know, I'm not just bucketed into uh, a buyer persona, but they're really understanding who I am and how they could best serve me and they're forward thinking. And they think of the things that I need before I know I need them. That's where, that's where the magic happens. So, um, I think the possibilities of where that could go are really exciting. 
Yeah, totally. I think, you know, there's a lot of, lot of interesting innovations that are going to come out of this. And as I said, you know, like a lot of these decisions, right, like the technology was available, the consumer was were asking brands, right, to innovate and modernize. And, and I think what happens is when things like this happen, some of the decision making that was taking five years, right, is now condensed into six months. Some of the projects which were taking 18 months to implement, well, people are realizing you don't need 18 months. You can get something live in four to six weeks. So there's a different level of sense of urgency, both in decision-making and execution, uh, decision-making on the executive sides, right? So that the executives, the CEOs at all these brands are now kind of getting more hands-on, right? And they are like understanding the tech and they are kind of participating in those decision-makings. Uh, but then also on the 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 platforms like PredictSpring are, are modern platforms. These are not legacy platforms which take 18 months to deploy. So they are more modular, they are plug and play, and the brands are able to see the benefit in four to six weeks. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us today about, about this, about what Predict Spring is doing, the possibilities of clienteling, the possibilities of really knowing your customer across channels and providing the best customer experience possible. Uh, as we as we are having this conversation, as you mentioned in the beginning of this, we're not allowed to, to we're not possible, right, to fly and see each other and 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 record this podcast together. But I know at some point we will be, and hopefully I can make it to the area that you're in in California. When I do that, I like to ask everybody, what are the top three things on your list um, that I must do, must see, must visit when the world goes back to whatever the new norm is going to be? Yeah, first of all, Melissa, I would absolutely love to host you here in the Bay Area. We are we are in a in, in a, a small town, Los Altos, which is uh, forty five minutes south of San Francisco. The three things to visit first uh, first and foremost would be the Predict Spring office. Would love to host you here, and so that I, I would definitely uh, request you to make that as one of the stops. Uh, the second one, which is kind of nearby to actually the Predict Spring office, is a restaurant which I take all of my guests. Uh, who come here, it's literally uh, kind of in our backyard, call it the restaurant, uh, is the restaurant Cetrella. It's an American-Italian restaurant, owner-run, and he's always there, and you feel that gourmet that you are e eating at home. Um, so that will be my next kind of, you know, uh, stop that I'll uh, kind of, you know, ask you to kind of make a thing. And, and the third thing is, you know, uh, and mine, mine are all low-key. Obviously, there are, you know, there's a lot you know, there are a lot of touristy places to go here. When you are in Bay Area, uh, there's no limit. But but the third stop uh, I would make is um, a little bit further than Bay Area is to do a wine tour uh, in Napa Valley. Uh, you're talking my language with the wine tour. I'm happy to embark on those at any time. <laughs> I love to go to the Caneros Inn, which is right there at the at the beginning before it splits between Napa and Sonoma. Um, but I would love to go on one of those tours and visit your office. Everything that you said, I'm adding it to my list. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me and uh, looking forward to, to, to our conversation and also looking forward to, you know, things, things opening up and uh, opening up safely and uh, brands and retailers modernizing. Um, there's just no reason why, you know, it will be a sad day if the only option available to me as consumer is Amazon. Right. I don't think we want to be in a world like that. I think we want all these brands to thrive and flourish and they have the differentiation uh, and the technology is there. It's just about execution and decision making. 
Absolutely. I think it's table stakes uh, to modernize. It has to happen if you want to if you want to stay relevant and if you want to be a brand that consumers, you know, get the best experience from. So thank you. Thank you for that. Everybody. Again, this was Nithin Mankani of Predict Spring. And this is another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. 